Jones, Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brian Gunning. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. It's a good Friday morning. I'm in an oddly good mood for the Leafs having not played on a Thursday night. Feeling spry. Wearing your Masters hat. Wearing my Masters hat. Wore my Masters hat today as well. you brought for me. Actually, you know what? If I'm going to say it on these airwaves, it has to be said. I'm not wearing my Masters hat. Yeah. I'm wearing J.D. Bunkus's Masters That's hat. That's true. Because you brought Masters bats, <laughs> hats back for the fellas, yeah. and I just, like, it had to happen. It had to be mine. And somehow, like, uh, I, I do feel you brought back a certain number of hats, and I do feel as, as a golf-loving yeah. human, I should have been higher up on the line. But he was, like, your, no, your was work a, wife, effectively, was at a, that point. It was a King Solomon situation where I was like, I, well... I, I I felt like I spent a lot of money at the Masters store. I didn't spend enough, right? Well, there's like, no there's no enough. No, I I bought I bought myself a jacket. I a bought a bunch jacket. of chairs. Great jacket. God, I don't know if I brought this to the airwaves since I bought the mm, the chairs. No. They were stolen from me. My previous uh, house. I guess I left the the garage uh, open and they disappeared. So those are gone. Congrats uh, to that guy for his million dollars he now has. Yeah. Uh, I've got the jacket. I got. I got. I think I only bought like four hats, and I gave mm-hmm. one to my dad. Yep. I kept one. Yep. Lance um, Romance. Yeah, and Lance wanted one because he didn't. They, our former technical operator who still works here at Sportsnet Five Ninety Fan. Um, we kept entering the draw to win Masters tickets. I felt bad for him, so mm-hmm. I gave him a hat that left me with one more hat. Yeah. And you know, I, I guess I could have given it to JD, but just, he's not a—he's not a golf you guy. You just threw it at me. There was not even a, for to paint the picture out there. It wasn't like I took it from him. Like no. you just threw it at me because you—it was like you knew yeah. the community of golf, mm-hmm. which we've only now grown closer together through. Mm-hmm. It—you didn't even give me this hat. It was like it the was ghost, preordained. It was like the ghost of Augusta yeah. just caused you to huck it. Mm-hmm. At me. So, yeah, shout out to Bunk yeah, wearing his hat. He's going to have a thing to say about it, I'm sure, today. Yeah, it's not really the, you know, a golf season, although there's a massive golf store that yeah. we will get to later maybe on. The I actually ride. didn't realize. Maybe that's why I wore it. Like, oh, I, subconsciously. I do, I do have a bunch of golf hats that I wear on like a regular basis, but mm-hmm. I saw this one and I normally would never wear a Masters hat, like on a Masters season. But I don't know, had a little green on the shirt today. Thought mm-hmm. I'd go with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were at the indoor driving range the other day? I was. Can't go back though because my kid got a, my three year old got a callus yeah. hitting balls on it. And it's actually like, it's pretty, pretty gnarly. He's yeah. Gripping it and ripping it. So, all right, we yeah, can talk my, about real sports, but I, not after well, you mentioned your child, children, of course. No, I was going to say my, my kid, yeah, same thing. We bought him a little. Uh, a little glove, uh, a little golf glove, which I think would be a wise purchase for Might you. Might need to happen. No, what? It, listen, we love talking about the Leafs, we love talking about the Raptors, we love talking about Toronto sports, but when you get a day that is devoid of the local teams mm-hmm. and there's no clear lead, it does allow you to spread your wings yeah. a little bit. And fly. Like, talk about Masters hats. Yeah. Also, do you, like, I know your boys go with you to that simulator. Mm-hmm. Does your family see you much anymore? I feel like you're texting me from there a lot. I've been you there. to the mystery <laughs> of how how I, uh, not the world's greatest golfer, bashed one 290. Yeah. Uh, it's because it was set to infant settings is, yeah. is what happened there. Well, I will say, is it, it's... The, the the best and the worst thing simultaneously happened to me this week. 37 seconds from your house and there's a golf simulator. Literally, it's it's less than two minutes. It's a less than two minute drive from my house. A golf simulator. A 24 hour golf simulator. I don't know up. how much this part matters for you, but I thoroughly enjoy this where outside of running into you there mm-hmm. or uh, the guy who runs the place giving me extra time and not you. Right? Yeah. And that's neither here nor there. I don't have to talk to a soul. I book it on my it's phone. Glorious. I press a button. The door and it just, opens. 
It just, like, it's not, I thought the door was going to unlock and I would have to pull it open with my hand. Nope. Just Hope it's, pops it's, right open. You walk in, you go to your bay. Don't talk to a soul unless I run into you there, which feels like pretty likely. If I'm yeah. going to go there, I'm going to see you <laughs> well, there. I have again, been there. It's been open since Monday. I've been there three times already. You, you may have texted me, want to see the creatures that are in there at 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah. And I'm now going to go back and reply to that with just a picture of your face yeah. is what I'm going to do in my text. <laughs> I don't discount the possibility of one day being there. Uh, yeah, at an ungodly All right, hour. So new Friday pre-show meetings, 3 a.m. Bay 2. Dude. I mean, hey, if you're if you're up at 420, what's the difference? Be up at 320. I I actually would venture to believe no difference. Yeah. Because guess what? My kid was up at 320 this morning, so so was I. So there we go. <laughs> you should have taken him over re- there. <laughs> Could you imagine? Just yeah. Like, All right. If we're gonna be awake, we're getting in the lab. Yeah. Might as well. Might have to do that. Anyway. Forward. So yeah. The the wings are being spread. Talking yeah. about golf simulators. Um. Yeah. The the Edmonton Oilers just refuse to lose. They will not. This is can't stop, won't stop. Yeah, it's now 15 consecutive after a, a three nothing win over the Chicago Blackhawks. Now they got the the Predators on Saturday in a day game before the All Star break, and then they come back. They have the Las Vegas Golden Knights. That Golden Knights game, what a yeah. way to start the second half could be to tie the all time record. The, this uh, 15 gamer now tied for the third longest streak in NHL history with the 81 82 Islanders, the 2012 2013 Pittsburgh Penguins. They're not all beauties, but man, mm-hmm. th- this is, I mean, actually, yesterday is kind of the, the perfect formula where all you do is limit opposition to That's two it. or fewer goals, and then your stars, you know, you need one or two goals from them. You win a hockey game, which mm-hmm. they did yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny, right? We've talked about this team a million times. We've talked about the parallels with, with them and the Leafs. I will just say quickly before we get into what's made them so impressive in this streak, and I would like to see it extend to the second unofficial second half of the season against the Golden Knights, but if I'm putting Leafs rules on the Oilers, which isn't fair, a 4 p.m. game the Saturday before All-Star break mm-hmm. where you've only got two guys going – with a 15-game win streak feels like mm. the trappiest trap game mm-hmm. that ever trapped game. Now, again, maybe that's Leaf rules applying to the Oilers, but I, as soon as you said that, and it's, you know, I know the Predators aren't the Predators for them, but it's the Predators. Like, what? Like, it just, it is ripe for the pick in there. In terms of what they've done on this streak, they got some saves, they got some stars, and the guys in between there are playing their role. That is kind of the recipe for success in the NHL. And you can say that's the recipe for high-end teams. Guess what? There's no such thing as a team anymore. You know, you can go to Vegas if you want. Uh, last time I checked, Alex Petrangelo, Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, pretty big stars in, mm. in this league. So, you know, maybe even the team we don't think of in that way. That's what you need. You need your best players to be truly great. You need the other guys to have some type of a role or find a way to chip in. And if you get saves, really two of the three is generally speaking enough as long as saves are one of the two. Yeah. And now they're getting Calvin Pickard picking up shutouts. Like it's just, it's, it's all happening for the Edmonton yeah. Oilers. They were minus 625 to win that hockey game going I've into seen, it. I've seen some big leaf lines. <laughs> I feel like the biggest leaf one I've seen was like 450, maybe 500. Uh, 625. Okay, what's crazier? That they were minus 625 favorites or I saw that you know, at least according to one book, that that was the only the ninth highest favorite in right. NHL history. Like, There's been higher ones. What were the other games, dude? <laughs> there was you could get you could get the Blackhawks at even odds, um, plus two and a half goals. 
And I was like, ooh, that is kind of tempting. Like, come on. They're not going to blow them out here. Like, you're obviously going to play down to your opposition. Yeah. Uh, no, that, that also would have lost. Uh, no, that's it's outrageous. That's outrageous. It's still a hockey game. And you know what? You'd, for the talent discrepancy between these two teams, it was it was not as dominating as it obviously could have been. This is a team that just, you know, barely squeaked out a win against another bottom feeder the game previous uh, against the Columbus Blue Jackets needed a big game from Stuart Skinner. So yeah, yeah. I I looked at that number and I was like, nah, you got to take the others. It's hockey still, my goodness. And the Blackhawks had taken the Leafs to the woodshed a couple of times. Why can't it happen against the Oilers? Nope, uh, nothing can derail this Oilers team um, as they, they are two away from the all-time record. Leafs were minus 605. I just quickly looked it up against this Blackhawks team last year. Did not get quite to the 600 right. margin this year, but again, still lesser favorites than the Oilers were yesterday because the Leafs weren't in the midst of a 14-game win streak when that happened. No, they weren't. Um, so kudos <laughs> to the Oilers who are a, a killing machine. Um, oh, oh, one other thing on this, and mm-hmm. I don't think that this will enter into the equation, but I I think it'll be like, uh, you know, almost like the uh, the parsley you put on the dish. Like it adds to the seasoning, but the the meal is enough. Does this... Does this bolster McDavid's MVP credentials? Do they does do such things need bolstering? I don't know that he's a lock for the heart this year. Feels no. like a very wide open race. I mean, a lot of people have McKinnon in there. Oh We've got the Matthews thing. Kucherov is... is running away with it, but I don't know. Like, I'm not. I'm not putting him outside of the playoffs, mm. but I'm not ruling it out. We've had that conversation before. How much does a streak like this and you know, not that not that fourteen fifteen isn't impressive, but let's say it gets to twenty games or something <laughs> like that. What would if if we're gonna sit here and say how can you not give Matthews the Hardy at sixty goals? Mm. What are we gonna say about McDavid? Who you know, there's other pieces of play here, but let's be honest, the guy who led the Oilers to this streak. What are we gonna say about that with his MVP candidacy? We're gonna say it happened in January. Mm. It's it's March. It's April. Okay, better not hear anything about Nathan McKinnon's four goal games then, because they happened at the same time here. A hundred percent. If we won't. Brent, we will not. Like, pay attention to the way these MVP races go in all sports. It's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately yeah. thing. It's how do you finish this season? Unless the thing lately is win the MVP and you're in the NBA, and then we go, all right, that's enough of that. Yeah, give it right, else. right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't <laughs> get consecutive uh, unless you're Nikola Jokic. Uh, and you're undeniable, uh, except that didn't happen. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think it's 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 a great point. Like, if this was, like, say the Oilers were wrapping up their season right, with this, this was winning the run streak. that got them in for oh, the Panthers. Th- then it's, yeah. like, undeniable. Of course, right. Uh, but, yeah, I th- this is going to feel like a million years ago when we get to the, the postseason. Okay, total non, well, not non sequitur because it's related to what we're talking about. But we do kind of do this at all sports. Of We do some baseball every year. The baseball season... Is so long. Yeah, it's the N. We have lived seven seasons. What's the longest season? Like I know technically it's baseball. No, no, it's the no. Long. It's a good. It's a but, good question. Like the NFL season. I'm sorry, doesn't get to be the longest anymore. Ah. It used to the NFL season used to feel the longest, and I used to live. 37 lifetimes in a 17 week season and somehow they've added a week and mm. it feels almost shorter to me. I don't know if it's just that the other sports have so much more volatility that mm. maybe I used to expect like you know era where it was Warriors Cavs every year or Penguins and Wings in back-to-back cups. Maybe I just think of it that way, but the NHL season it's feels there. so much longer than it used to. NBA like the IST almost breaks it up to me that uh-huh. it feels like there's like separate seasons within it. But I don't know. I was just thinking about that. Cause we say, we do say that about every sport of it's so long, yeah. but the hockey season feels 
maybe it's just the Leafs and it's always ratcheted up to 300,000, yeah. but the hockey season feels so long. You know, it's funny. I, I agree with you. I, I think the NHL is, is taking pole position on what is what feels like the <laughs> longest regular season. And it's funny to go back and, and re-litigate, re, uh, relive some of the early season Oilers struggles, which felt like, oh, my God, this is a hole that they'll be it, yeah. There's no way they can dig out of this thing. Like, even if it happens, it's going to take an unbelievable run, which is obviously happening. But um, you know how many games Jack Campbell played before it was like, oh, well, the $5 million actually, man has to be no demoted. I, I actually have no idea the answer to this question. I'm so excited to hear the yeah. answer. Because that's I was like, oh, my God, Jack Campbell was just so bad for so long. You had no choice. He played four games. <laughs> he played four games for the Oilers this season. I knew the season. answer was going to be ridiculous. He played four games. Now, the save percentage was horrible. It was 878, but he played four games, oh. and they're like, uh, off That's, to mm-mm. Bakersfield, you go. Get out of here. <laughs> and he's resurrected his career a little bit uh, with a 904 save percentage in the American League. But no, it's hilarious how it just it, it felt like it, everything was happening for so long for the Oilers that we were, oh, we're at the Elliott Friedman. I yeah, got to say, American like Thanksgiving. Elliott Friedman. Tough it, year for it. it. The best insider we got going in the sport uh, and his, his hockey acumen is at the, the tippy top of the mountain mm-hmm. when it comes to voices, yeah. Canadian hockey voices. That one's that it's it. The, I gotta say, we're, we're looking at that American Thanksgiving thing and being in a playoff spot around there. That's on the hot seat a little bit right now. I could be wrong about this, but I actually feel like he he has mentioned that that's like a Ken Hollandism. Mm. Maybe maybe that oh, goes he's, back he's to trying Ken to separate Hall- No, 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 no not this year. I haven't heard that this year, <laughs> but I feel like. When that stat first got bandied about right. a lot by Frege, we heard like, hey, you go to Ken Holland. Maybe maybe he gets credit for okay, that one again. Sure. And he can afford it because yeah. the oil are rolling. And I know they made their changes, but it's like uh, they, you know, they kind of did some work with him at the helm there. Also, you mentioned Jack Campbell had four games. That's how long the struggle was. Ilya Samsonov had four games in December where he gave up at least right. four goals. And the only reason I say four is because he gave up four in one of them. He gave up six, five, and six in the other. So just to talk, <laughs> it's like, this team cannot go on. Uh, it's fine, actually. It'll yeah. be like, again, the the ebbs and flows of a hockey season, so, so incredibly long. Uh, yeah. That's why it's great when you get a moment like Patrick Waugh returning God. to Montreal yesterday. Not for the first time, obviously. I mean, a good long run with the uh, Colorado Avalanche, but for the first time in over seven years as the head coach of the New York Islanders, uh, they lose to the Montreal Canadiens. We get an incredible game from Sam Montembeau. Um, I'd never Fitting. seen this before. It's and go check out the video. It's it's rousing. They know how to do returns and and celebrations in Montreal. They do. And I hate it, but they do. Yeah, I mean, whether it's the torch or whether it's what they, they had going on yesterday during the national anthem. I've never, I honestly have never seen anything like during this. During O Canada, they ran the montage of Patrick Waugh uh, and his two cup victories for the Montreal Canadiens. It, it felt like, honestly, what they do with the anthem in, what is it, Chicago, where they, they yeah. cheer during the anthem. Mm-hmm. That, that, was, that was amazing. I mean, I, like, more teams should do that. I had to go, I, I had to... Have you ever had this happen where you're watching a video, but your phone doesn't realize you stopped watching like a previous video or a video on another app? I had to make sure I wasn't missing what I was seeing. I'm like, is this actually during the national anthem? Is the national anthem just being piped in for some? No, this is during the national anthem. That's the type of figure, icon he is. And to your point, you know, different different arenas do it differently. Like I think the Blackhawks thing is great, but it's all organic. And mm-hmm. that's what makes these moments 
so, so special, right? Like we've all been at a place or, you know, whatever arena and they're on the jumbo tribe, get, get up, make noise. And yeah, it gets loud, but what's the best moment? It's when a guy blocks a shot or you throw somebody through the boards or, you know, shorthanded two on O <laughs> where the save is made, right? Uh, <laughs> oh God, I'm trying to be happy here. The, those are the best moments. That's when the crowd pops and that's when you actually feel it because it's all organic and God, it, it, it has me so conflicted how I feel about this because I load the Montreal Canadiens with every fiber of my my being. Like, I will be a dying man and will still think back mm. on my favorite hockey season of all time. Yeah, right. When they lost to the Canadiens in the, that series because I loathe the thought of them having any success whatsoever. And even I was watching that last night going, mm. this is amazing. This is incredible. It felt felt like something we just do not do forget in hockey doesn't feel like this is a thing in North America like that almost felt like a soccer moment to me the way the crowd and it's an opposing Mm. player and it's not a player it's a coach we also don't have that anymore the idea of there are guys who played like yeah I remember Ty Lue remember Allen Iverson stepping over him Mm. sorry Ty Lue those are the types of coaches we see you know Rob Mm. Brindamore was a great player wasn't Patrick Wall. Like, we just do not see the true, and I'm sure there's an obvious one I'm missing. What, Wayne Gretzky? Well, okay, how'd that turn out? Did <laughs> not, he win the Jack Adams? Not so great. Not no. so great, okay? So it's just we don't have coaches that have that track record of success and have the moments that matter. And, again, I roll my eyes at it. I loathe it as much as everyone, but seeing it in Montreal, they just they do have that ability to be special about it and – I, God, I can't believe I'm about to say it. It's like, God, I just respect them so much after Mm. watching that last night. Good, good hockey fans. Yeah. I I don't know who came up with that idea. I mean, maybe I'm missing it happening another time. But yeah, for my money, it's the first time I've ever seen that during an anthem to to show a montage to get a rousing ovation like that. It was uh, was, was something. And I just have to, again, like I've made the point since he came back, not the point about the Islanders lurking uh, in the wildcard spot like a horror monster. I will continue to make that point. But he is, we talk all the time about growing the game and yada, 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 and you need characters. The best characters are people who are just being themselves. Mm-hmm. Like Paul Bissonnette, okay? I don't, I, I feel like him and Patrick Waugh are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. Like, yeah, they're both fiery. It's like one guy is, you know, like got his career by talking about tweeting while he's on the toilet. The other guy's Patrick Waugh, okay? But he's just unapologetically himself. He's authentic. He wants mm. to be who he is, and he is on broadcast, and we love him for it. Patrick mm. Waugh, guess what? He's going to fight with Joe Sackick. Yeah, guess what? Oh, go, oh you're Mr. Avalanche. I, I was here, and I did some things, too. I'm going to have a power struggle with you, and um, you're going to ask me a question about it. I'm going to tell you exactly what I am. He's whistling at his players without a whistle in practice. I don't know if you've seen this video. He just like looks like he's like running like a dog sled practice out there. It's incredible. He is just a character in a game where everybody is so conformed and having him. And again, it can't be, it can't be overstated what it means to have that be a guy who's not just, you know, God love him, a Bruce Boudreaux character. He's mm-hmm. Patrick Waugh, okay? Mm-hmm. Hall of Famer, icon in the game, the wink, all that stuff and having a guy with that stature still be a part of it. It's just something we see in executives. We see it in people who are more kind of buttoned up in their role. That's where your Stevie wise, your Joe Sackix live. We don't see it in a guy who just 
has emotion just kind of coursing through him all the time. That's what you want. You want stakes in sports and life, and it just feels like everything he does has them. I can't believe it. I'm giving so much respect to a Montreal Canadiens icon, but it's how I feel about all these things. Yeah, uh, he needs wins, though. Of course. uh, So, like, I was watching the postgame. I was like, how emotional is he going to be? It's like, thanks to the Montreal Canadiens organization. But, yeah, like, he kind of wanted to move on, understandably. Uh, Because, yeah, no, his job is to get the Islanders into the postseason after a disappointing start for them. Uh, Speaking of disappointing starts, Toronto Maple Leafs wrapping up their first half of the season tomorrow night in Winnipeg against the Jets. We all expect Ilya Samsonov to start in that game. They didn't practice yesterday, so we don't have any update on lines or with Tyler Bertuzzi, whether he's going to be back. Oh, Ryan Reeves and and, and the potential roster fallout there. Uh, I will say, I mean, you're talking about... What's longer shots, the Blackhawks last night or Ryan Reeves in the lineup on Saturday? (laughs) I think the Blackhawks, because I think it's possible Ryan Reeves plays uh, tomorrow. Anyways, you want to talk about personalities in the game? Rick Tockett is one of those guys. And and you know what? You spend some time in the media, although not in Canadian media, Mm -hmm. right? Like working on TNT, jumps out of the broadcast booth into the big chair in Vancouver, and it's gone exceedingly well. (laughs) I don't know. It's not just the the head coach, but boy, he is, he does feel like a a pretty big differentiating factor. Mm -hmm. Um, in the, in their last game, a couple of uh, days ago, they had to mount a third period comeback to to get to overtime. Eventually, losing to the St. Louis Blues, but Elias Patterson not necessarily great in that game. And afterwards, there were some questions about Patterson, and and you know the head coach, despite the fact that Patterson's been amazing mm-hmm. and is going to get paid, and is one of the big reasons why the Canucks are one of the the great success stories of the NHL been going through it a little bit and his coach was not shy to point that out did it look to you like maybe Petey was a little off tonight yeah yeah I, I you know we gotta I haven't liked this game in the last three or four games we gotta get him going I think he's gotta skate he's gotta start skating a little bit I think he's you know I I, I think he's good with the moves sometimes but I think when you have speed and make those moves that's when he's at his best so yeah we gotta he, he, I, you know we'll get him going okay all right so that's like we are talking about one specific area of his game, skating, which yep. I think most hockey fans will also take to to like that sounds like effort. Like yeah, when you talk I was about say, it's a proxy for effort for most people, right? When you hear skating, you're not like, oh, that's he's not talk it meant, but that's no, what people take. A hundred percent. So here's a, a couple of headlines that that came out of that. There was love a good headline. This is uh, post media went with Rick Tockett calls for better from Elias Patterson. Feels fair. I got to be honest. Uh, sports Center. That we opted for Canucks talk. It calls out Pedersen, oh. says he hasn't liked his game lately. I mean, he did say that. Uh, so <laughs> yesterday, talk it speaking to the assembled masses and the jackals and and, and and reacting to the reaction to his reaction to Elias Pedersen. Well, I didn't think he skated last night. So of the article, I blasted him. I mean, that's you guys. I mean, <laughs> but what do you want him to say? I mean, you guys are taking it to a. If Hoggy has a bad game, a couple of bad games, I, I say it, but it's not in the paper. Like, P's a big man. You know, he had a tough night skating-wise, I thought. It's over with. You know, he played 21 minutes. He's not on the end of the bench, so we're, we're taking this to a different level. Like, yeah, it's different. I, I was on your side as a media guy, right, and I get it. But you guys got to analyze the game, too. You got to understand certain things, too. So it's not talking has a problem with Pedersen. It's you asked me a question, who was good or was bad. So I got to be careful because if if you guys are going to ask me questions now, a player, I'm not going to say I'm going to say no comment. I'll let you guys analyze. It. So you guys got to be careful. That's not a big deal. He's out there smiling. It's not a big deal. So 
maybe it's a story that we're we're winning a lot and we're looking for negativity. That's the way I look at it. Not to blast you guys. It's just frustrating because it's it's you know over the internet talking blast Pedersen. So I don't know how I blasted him. I just said he had a tough night. Oh my god! Did they just play the jackets? He's got cannons oh on the mind. Oh a lot of blasting god. talk. Oh my god! So it's there, there's so much to talk uh, about. Uh, in relation to that screed uh, and 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 the way we've talked about what Sheldon Keefe can do to send messages to his team and how things are disseminated out of Leaf press conferences. But like, let's just start with the specific sure. here. Who's right? Who's wrong? What What's happening? What's the dynamic in Vancouver over the last couple of days? Okay, well, I actually, before I answer that question, I would just like to play out the third rail of this in Toronto, mm-hmm. is that if, and maybe this happens today in Vancouver, I don't know, shout out to my boy Dan Riccio, maybe he starts stoking the, flyer, the fires on all this, but the reaction to that would be, Sheldon Keefe clearly uncomfortable with his position in Toronto, given the pushback for coaching his players. Like, that is yeah. where we would extrapolate that from, in terms of who's right, I'm like I hate to be uh, you know patting myself on the back here, but we're right. The media's right. They mm-hmm. asked him a question. He they printed what he now again like he's ever since talk it said blasted. You can't search Canucks blasted and it not just revert back yes, to this. I know but, nobody said I couldn't find the blasting. Is, that's what now, we're getting I, at. we didn't play the question that he was asked that led to that. And mm-hmm. the reporter did say like, hey, you know, it's a big market here, and you know, people are talking about you blasting. Uh, Elias Patterson. Mm. So, so the reporter that that starts he the whole the conversation witness. says blast, and mm. you're right. Like blast is is different than criticize or Wants calls out from Sportsnet. Like yeah, we said calls out Patterson. Feels fair. Yeah, that's not dissimilar to blast. No, uh, well, uh, except if you read it in the headline, it is like yeah, you're, blast. That's the thing. It's it's who's this for? Who's this conversation for? Is it for the guy? Who is going to read that? Because, look, there are a lot of people who see that. They see it on an Instagram picture, and they go, ah, rough in Canucks land, and then move on with their day. But there are people who see that and go, oh, what do you say? I'd like to see this. Can I get the context for it? And I think anybody who follows up goes, oh, okay, this is just kind of typical hockey coachism here. But, yeah, I don't think that – I think the criticism was totally fair. I think the reaction to it is – a hypersensitive one to a market that I'm not like, this isn't me calling Vancouver a hypersensitive market. It's just, a Oh, they are hypersensitive. Well, I mean, okay. I I'll let you do it, but I agree with everything you're saying. So I guess I'm doing it too. Yeah. There's yeah. a bunch of babies out there that cry about everything. You're right. Maybe you didn't say that. Now I'm saying it. Yeah. But, no, that's you. Okay. But when I look at talk it, it is clearly a guy who is just trying to immediately put out any embers. Like before there's even a fire here, this is a player who, now, I don't think he connects these things necessarily, but Mr. Player and Pedersen, who's an RFA, not that you need to be walking on eggshells around him, but you want to make sure he's comfortable. You want to make sure he's happy. And I don't, I, I'm not going to pretend to know, you know, how Pedersen carries himself, if that stuff's going to bother him. You know, there are, we've had this conversation. There are guys in the market that you can say things about and everybody moves on. And there are guys in the market where you say things about and maybe it carries a little more weight and it has a little more residue for the, for the next few days. So I'm not going to pretend to know what type of guy Pedersen is in that regard, but I do think that there is clearly some protection being showed from Tockett there and his response to it. How can you look at it any other way? Yeah, there, there's definitely that. There's also um, an element of like, I'm going to win the Jack Adams award. Like, what are we doing here? Like, how, why, why is there a negative? And, you know, part of the answer there, I don't know, we might have cut it out as well, but like that he's like, I don't know if you guys are just like looking for something negative because things have been so positive here, but yeah, it's been great. And, and you asked me a direct question in a game that we didn't, 
lose in regulation. In fact, it was an incredible comeback to end up getting a point out of. And Pedersen's been a success story this season. I said, yeah, like I haven't loved his game over the last couple of days and he'll be better. Like that's that's not above and beyond. And it did have me thinking about the way we've, we've viewed this season uh, of Sheldon Keefe. A season in which, you know, okay, he's not a lame duck, right? Now he has the extension, but a season in which the possibility of his exit uh, very much exists and still exists, sure. even though, you know, it, it feels like maybe the moment has passed. And and if you are correct and they won't be battling for their playoff lives, then then that, that won't be an issue. But when you are the head coach of a team in a Canadian market, mm-hmm. in, a, in a rabid market, where everything's picked over and we're picking over the picking over of of things. Mm-hmm. It does feel like you lose some of the tools in your tool belt as an NHL head coach, right? Like Pascal Vincent. Yep. Bench Patrick Line, and we talked about him a yeah. little bit. How much of a story do you think that was in Columbus? Well, first of all, the Blue Jackets are like way off the radar. They're talking about They're the Buckeyes like, next what year. What did Ryan Day Buckeyes have right, coach up for breakfast? Right, 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 right. So, but so... You can, use, Michigan. you can use things like you can actually blast your players mm-hmm. in the media and it it be an effective weapon. Yep. If if say you did want to send a message to your players in Vancouver or Toronto, that that's all the market's going to be talking about for the it becomes the story of the entire season. You cannot do it, even as something as tepid as we played you the mm-hmm. clip yep. of what Rick Tockett said, which was totally fair and in no way. Even felt like there was yep. a spin on the ball. There was no emotion in that. That was just like a, a cut and dried evaluation of the of the players' play over a three four game span. That's turned into the story of the week in Vancouver. You just what are we talking about here in Toronto? And what right. will we get to later on in the program? And you know what was the major talking point out of outside of Ilya Samsonov's incredible performance on mm-hmm. Wednesday against the Winnipeg Jets? It was like. Oh, the number one power play unit missed a shift yeah. in the second period, right? Like that you can use that mm-hmm. weapon, but it gets outsized attention as opposed to Pascal Vincent in Columbus. Yeah, I'm I very much agree with the overarching point. I just wonder, and I'm not like blaming you for this. It's like we have plenty of times and topics talk it's the news of the day, but it's the talk at one just doesn't totally line up with that for me because this feels to me. Like him, I I felt like, and maybe I'm wrong, but yes, there's articles on Sportsnet, but because the team's having a good season, you could have just kind of let that be the story and it would have been fine. I think it would have kind of gone away. Talk it now, Mm. going back and giving it oxygen. In in my opinion, this is Mm -hmm. a little bit of an overstating of his hand in in that regard. Now, having said that, Sheldon Keefe, we've seen what happens when he has been pointed criticism directed this team. It is a 13-alarm fire. I... I'm going to pose this to you because I think there are a lot of people who ask this question of it. So what? So what? We're talking about it. Are these guys, should these guys not be able to compartmentalize? And isn't that kind of what we're talking about? Guys who can handle big markets and guys who who can't. You just operate in a different way, though. I wholeheartedly agree. The way I wrote it down, we were like, we, you know, we both write our notes to start the show or to sketch out how we're doing the show. The way I wrote down this topic is what do coaches have at their disposal in Canada? Is it easier to work in the States? The tax issue there. Does the NHL have a little bit of a Canada problem in terms of it being, you can go chase the dragon of the States and you should, because there's so much money down there and the more money into the sport, the better it is. 
but it's never, ever, ever, ever going to matter on a day-in, day-out basis there the way it does here. Same way there's baseball markets and there's non-baseball markets, and when the team's good, you have success, but eventually these things normalize, is that does the NHL have a Canada problem in that the places that care the most, it is clearly the hardest to win in. Now, again, maybe it's a bad year to make the case when the Canucks are having the year they have and the Jets are having the year they had, and the Oilers can't stop Mm -hmm. winning. But that's the way I kind of phrased it and thought about it. Yeah, I I don't think it's a Canada problem because I think even Rick Tockett would tell you, like, man, when this is going good and if we have success, this is not going to be like anything. Like, I've been in Arizona. Yeah. This this ain't that. No. Nope. Right? And, like, there's some bad. And you're I think you're you're right to point out that that story, while the headlines he might not have enjoyed or the lines of questioning he might not have enjoyed, is is over. The story is over if he doesn't have that media conference yesterday. So he adds fuel to the fire. But I... I ultimately, I come down to, mm. and and this is the same thought I have when you get like a Ryan O'Reilly choosing Nashville over Toronto, yep. is that you should want the smoke. Like if you, well, if, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm a massive believer in that. Yeah, because the 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 reward is is way outsized to the potential pitfalls of failure. Like it sucks when you suck and and your name is in the headlines for all the wrong reasons, but it doesn't take much, especially in this market, right? Like. The, the bar for success is, well, last year it was winning around, even though, you know. Relating. Yeah, but that didn't feel like anything in the Yeah, yeah it, it, it changed a little bit, I guess. But, yeah, okay, God forbid you win two rounds, get to a conference championship series. Like, that. Yeah, I mean, we, we're talking about some, you know, early 90s Leafs teams yeah. uh, as if they, they won seven consecutive Stanley Cups, right? So I understand what you're saying, like a problem in that there, there's definitely players and coaches and executives who look at this recent story with Rick Talk and they're like, well, that's why. Like yep. we're more, way more comfortable yep. here than there. That's all good. Like, and, and I understand that argument for like a day or two. But yeah, the Canucks win on the weekend. The Canucks continue to do what they're doing. They get into the postseason. They win a division. They win a Stanley Cup. Yep. Rick Talk gets a statue. Uh, in in Vancouver, right? Like that's, that's yeah. I I I, under, I understand the argument against it. It's, well, it's just, a very hard and it's different. But I, I I still I think the the positives outweigh the negatives. Honestly, I I mostly agree with that. And of course, winning as a Leaf would matter more than I don't know. Just like honestly, just about anything in in sports, right? Yeah. Like if you're the if you're the man if Julius Randle or Jalen Brunson is like Jalen Brunson will pick him as the captain of the Knicks and mm-hmm. he that's going to matter a lot. Well, look at the 04 Red Sox. Look at the 04 Red Sox. Fly forever and those guys will never ever buy their grandkids might not buy a drink in Boston again. Wakefield. Okay, get over here. Tell me some stories. Like mm-hmm. it is remarkable, but I also look back at the way that Panthers series ended. And as you were mentioning those Leafs teams and the one that, you know, made the run, like the run ended against Gretzky. Yeah. And maybe this is part and parcel of the way we look at sports in 2020. I was about to say 23, but 2024 is that you're right. I think in my mind's eye that if they, but I don't know if they lost to the Hurricanes with no Svechnikov and Freddie Anderson's in net. Yeah, are yeah, we yeah. Really, are we really going to sit here and pat? Like, I would love to tell you I'm going to, but is it going to feel like we're ready to pat them on the back if they lose to, you know, 
it, it's different depending on who the teams are. Mm-hmm. Like if it is, if it's the Hurricanes and it's Rod Brindamore and Svechnikov, and I'm not knocking them. I think they've been as consistent a franchise as there is. But do you not think a little teensy part of the glow of specifically that one year is, and it's a whole era wide thing, but it really is about that one run to the conference mm-hmm. finals is you have Kerry Frazier to point the finger at and you lost to Gretzky. Mm-hmm. What what more could you ask for? And I still am not ruling out. I'd love to be proved. Please, 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 Leafs, prove me yeah. wrong in this and losing the conference finals and us have us all fet you. I just don't know that it's going to go that way. And yeah. part of it now... I mean, this, we can talk about other well, Leafs is, team iterations that didn't get to the to the conference final, right? We can talk about that, the, the Carolina series. Yeah. And like, you know... And, like, you, and you do love and you revere those guys. But what was the story of a lot of that? It's like, Matt Sundin Dean was hurt for parts of those yeah. runs and it was overcoming things and people have to do that. Now this, this goes back to something I talked about when watching this lions run is that it almost feels the like the Leafs have missed their window for a happy playoffs unless it ends mm-hmm. in a cup final or with, with a Stanley cup. Like it really does feel that way for me. And I wish no, it wasn't the case. Was I'd love to be proven wrong. Year one was a fun yeah. postseason. No, it was great. It's also a thousand years ago. Yeah. Seven. Anyways, uh, we'll probably revisit this topic later on in the program. Uh, be uh, interesting to see the blowback to the blowback to the blowback in Vancouver today. That's a fun little story you got it going is. on there. It really is. All right. When we come back, uh, another potential Blue Jay signing off the board. And is it a place that a lot of potential Blue Jays uh, exist now? And also, Bill Belichick interviews for one job. He didn't get that job. That. And more next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 5.9, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. As we mentioned yesterday, pitchers and catchers less than a month away from reporting to Dunn Eden. Uh, Does that give with, you a little, like, jolt to the system? You're a big baseball guy. You love it. Do you, you get excited for that kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, fine. I was actually talking to somebody the other day about how, you know, spring training, it's, it's listen, I love the initial images that come out of Dunn Eden. I like the sound. Yeah, sound is good, but yeah, seeing the sun, which we've, mm. I think we've gotten eh, less than 30 hours of sunshine It'll since come back. the You're fine. winter. You don't even go started. outside. You live in a golf simulator now. That's true. Uh, yeah, no, I, I like the sun. Um, and spring training baseball, it's great for like the first inning and a half, and then you're like, oh, this sucks. Okay. Like, let's get to the season. This is, I, I don't need to watch that. Yeah. Uh, anymore. Anyways, I uh, don't. I just want to be clear. I echo that thought uh, completely. Although I may get less excited for the first inning and a half than you. Yeah. Uh, so the Blue Jays will add somebody. I I keep being told this. Yeah. No, they will. And there this are is still like options when I was a scrawny out there. Teenager, and everyone's like, "You're gonna fill out." Yeah. And it's like, here I am, thirty-four years old, still mm. somehow scrawny with a pot belly at the same time. So mm. great job yeah. by me. So I was lied to then. Mm. I feel like I'm being lied to now about the Blue Jays. They will do something. They will mm. do something. They will. Do it, something. It's not going to be Jock Peterson though. No. Nope. Uh, ben Nicholson Smith outlining the Blue Jays' interest in the outfielder in quotation marks slash DH. This guy at, at this point in his career is is a, it pretty much a pure DH, but has severe. Splits like he cannot play nope. against left-handed 
pitching, but he uh, signs a two-year deal uh, option after the first year year with the Arizona Diamondbacks, who have all the 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 former Blue Jays, and now they have a potential Blue Jay. That you know what the Jock Peterson part of it, I, I'm fine with. He wouldn't have been no, my no, no. first option if I was carving out. Um, the ideal candidate to to play the role of DH slash potentially uh, every once in a while getting a start in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Now he's capable of doing that. Um, again, he's not the perfect player because, well, one, if if you're late in games, you can neutralize him by bringing in a left-handed reliever. Um, he's not somebody you feel great about in the outfield. But, I mean, some of the remaining candidates you don't want anywhere near uh, a baseball diamond. He's not the ideal candidate. But we we played you the clip yesterday from Bo Bichette talking about who his I He mentioned two guys specifically by name. Not, and he wasn't one of them. No, Jock Peterson wasn't one of them. One of them was J.D. Martinez, still available. Mm-hmm. And the other one was Justin Turner. Now, let's evaluate those two. And plus, we've we heard the Blue Jays involved um, in conversations around Jorge Soler, who's it. Very different age bracket. Solaire's 31. Uh, Justin Turner's 39. J.D. Martinez is 35. So let's evaluate. I, I kind of like one of those more than the other two. Okay, which one? Well, I, I just the age profile of a 31-year-old, but I actually feel like, you know, looking at the Savant page for Martinez yesterday, I was actually, I, that, that's the guy I'm probably most J. encouraged D. by. J.D. Martinez is Adult the guy. Adult in the room rings or at least has played i'm trying to think i think he has a title but he's definitely played on teams with pedigree and that have gone places and you you look at it he still hit 33 i think it was bombs last year that's the guy i'm most intrigued by age profile obviously like 31 year old more but it's martinez for me that's the guy yeah he's the guy has experience in this division has experience in in some some pretty big markets uh only played 113 games last year you know had bit of an injury bugaboo so this is a a player that you don't want anywhere near a field well I mean for two reasons one because of the injury bugaboo bugaboo, two because he's 35 years old and three because he's an absolute butcher like yeah I was gonna say like the fact that he like do they does he somehow lose his hands when he goes out there is he playing with four feet no so he's a pure DH which does inhibit your roster flexibility when you're talking about an aged George Springer and a a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. he'd like to get off his feet so that that ties you up a little bit, but any of these guys are are going to be primary DHs. He's the guy, and you're right. Looking at the baseball savant page, it's like it's ridiculous. 99th percentile in just about everything. Yeah, I thought he had fallen off more than that because I pulled up the page last night when we were kind of getting when I saw the Peterson news, mm-hmm. and I expected there to have been kind of much more precipitous downturn, but not the case. No, he's been great, 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 and in a place that's not that easy to hit uh, in Dodger Stadium and a division that's not that easy to hit uh, outside of uh, Colorado uh, in the NL West. So, he, yeah, he would be my guy. Justin Turner, much less so, despite the fact that he's actually, you know, you can throw him at third base every once in a while. He won't kill you, but I, I think the offensive profile in the age is, is you're not getting near the production out of Turner. And Solaire, you're getting big power and, and a guy that can take the occasional walk, and I guess you don't feel horrible about putting into a corner outfield spot. He played a little bit of right field last season, and yeah, he's only 31 as opposed to 35, but no, nah, I take the upside offensively of J.D. Martinez, despite the fact that, like, positionally not a perfect fit. Well, and I think that I think that that's something that you can kind of amend with your team as the year goes on, right? Like, if you if you go out and get Martinez, I think he's the bat that can help you the most, and say what you will about this team, wanting to, you know, have much more of a slant of, 
of defense and versatility. But you, as we saw last year, you still need some guys who can mash. I think ideally you'd go out there and get Martinez and kind of see how the rest of your team shakes out. And guess what? If you feel like you need another kind of utility guy or somebody who can help make things more versatile, that feels to me like it's easier to kind of find than the guy who is going to be the middle of the order bat for this team if he can be that. Obviously. JD Martinez hits fourth for this team. Yeah. Like that's not an issue. No. Like I mean, I I I I do scoff a little bit at the like, oh, the Blue Jays don't have a cleanup hitter. I mean, if you have enough good hitters, no, I, nobody I needs to be agree a with prototypical yeah. cleanup hitter. But Having JD Martinez that. is that though. Well, and it's. And again, you know, not that this is the way you want to go about building your team, but this matters as well, is that how many times last year did you say, if it's not going to be a good team, can it at least be a fun team? Mm -hmm. And guess what? Like, you need guys who can mash. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. You just need a couple of bats that provide real, true, live pop. And not, Mm -hmm. and to your point, if you have a bunch of good hitters, it doesn't matter. But I'm tired of seeing a guy in the four hole who the shining light of his of what he brings to the team is, I'll give you a good A-B. It's going to see some pitches. No, you want all those things. But at the end of the day, can he provide some pop? Can he provide some mash? And yes, I want to see Sox some dingers. Uh, I want to see Bill Belichick back in the NFL, but boy, like I keep saying, it, it, the the longer this plays out, the the easier it is for me to believe that Bill Belichick has coached his final game in the NFL. The Falcons are the only team to interview him during mm-hmm. this cycle in which we've seen, what, like seven teams with vacancies? And they said, that's cool. Thanks, but no thanks. We're going with Raheem Morris. Yep. So... Maybe you catch on with somebody else. We're running out of vacancies because the Panthers also filled theirs. Not Mm -hmm. that Bill Belichick was ever going to be. I mean, if we think the Falcons are below his brand, like what are the Panthers here? So you got got Washington, you got Seattle left, but you haven't heard any connection between those franchises and Bill Belichick. Again, the Falcons was the only organization that even interviewed him. Mm -hmm. So not only do I think that like time is running out for him this season, Man, we see this in pro sports all the time. Yep. Not necessarily when it comes to head coaching hires, but yeah, it's a copycat league. It's also like nobody is wants to be that outlier organization that does something that that nobody else wants to do. It takes a lot of guts. You have to be a certain type of organization to go against the grain. It's a hive mind, mm-hmm. right? Now that we see seven vacancies and only one mm-hmm. seriously consider. Hall of Famer, greatest of all time, Bill Belichick. I, I I mean, how does the thinking change after one off season where he spends it in the broadcast booth? I I am on the exact opposite side of this. I don't think it's a guarantee that he coaches another game, but I am far, far, far from thinking it's a thir- certainty that he's done. The thing I wish was available to him, and, you know, I say this is a, like, I'm a Patriots fan. Like, that guy is responsible for so many, all, all the my life that I've known football, it's been with him coaching great teams, and then for a while he coached Mac Jones too, and that was kind of offensive to me, but we can move on from that. But the thing I would have loved is for if he's going to take, because I do think this will be like a one-year sabbatical, and I think next year there will be teams that went a completely different route and say, mm, okay, we got to get an adult in the room, and who's more of an adult than him? He's the most football adult that there is now that Harbaugh is off the board. Is I would have loved if Saban wasn't retired, and we could have had a year of whatever, like Coach Emeritus or defensive supervisor or whatever role he would have had working 
in Alabama, Alabama with Saban because we know the the way he respects. And not that it's not a two-way street, but every time I've seen the two of them reacting, it's Belichick going, give me some stuff, Nick. What do you got for me? And I would have just loved a world where he went down there. And it's like Alabama wasn't going to be making or breaking based on what Bill Belichick did for them, but that would have just given him a little different light, different experience be together on a panel kids. next year. I very much, well, I think, I actually think that there's just so many Patriots working in media. It's like he could go wherever he wants and mm. go find a former teammate or to your point, Saban. So I'm not on the same side of this as you. I think, again, go pick your team yeah. that, every year. Two or three teams hire some sexy OC as a young kid. He's going to come in and guess what? Sometimes those guys work. A lot of times they have lately but they don't always. And the, what do we see? It's the pendulum. It's yeah. the zigging and zagging and the pendulum will swing back to him. I firmly believe it. Maybe. And, and maybe it's still not over this off season for him because Mike Florio reported this earlier this week that at least one team who does not have an opening is considering Bill Belichick. At least one could be multiple. I wonder if that, just the thought process with me on that is, do you wait? Tell after the draft because you don't like because yeah. that's the thing about Belichick, <laughs> right? Can't you don't want him. You don't want him with player <laughs> yeah, personnel right. decisions. You just want him to yeah. coach the team. Is that the way to go about it? And then, hey, last off season went pretty well, Bill. Mm. Why don't we just do that again? Like uh, that is the time, the timing part of it. That's that's where my mind immediately goes. Okay, who's the franchise though? Because I I think there's perilously few. I think you can whittle it down to two and like maybe there's a third. The two that I wanted and we know that won't be the case is Eagles and Cowboys. Like I thought those were the two. I don't, there is not a team front of mind for me. The one that there was like noise about but he just feels like not a guy who would fit in there is because they have their coaches forever was Pittsburgh. There mm. was the uncertainty about Tomlin. That was the one that I was wondering about. You got a team in mind? Give it to me. Yeah. It's the New York Jets. Mm. And Robert Sala being, you know, given a, a stay of execution. Because, like, what are you supposed to do? Your 40-year-old quarterback got injured. Unbelievable. Well, and he's on TV talking about Lord knows what every yeah. week. Yeah. And, I I mean, it is kind of a dream scenario. Because what have we talked about in relation to all the, the six Patriots, Super Bowls, and Tom Brady, yep. and the one mm -hmm. Super Bowl for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay is like, oh, okay, swap the situations. Yeah. And he's got at least as many Super Bowls as Tom Brady. Now it's yeah, I'll leave that to all of you. I'm not <laughs> co-signing that take. I just okay. need to be firmly on record. I mean, who is more talented, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? Anyway, <laughs> not that we get to you know, get a definitive answer on that because, yeah, this yeah. is... It, it's, Aged. Yeah, and also, like, we're still, it's still the Jets, right? Like, so they still wear those uniforms. Hey, but you'd be nuts if you're Woody Johnson and you're not seriously considering throwing Robert Sala overboard yeah. for Bill Belichick. Mm. I mean, secondarily, I was thinking, like, maybe it's it's the Jags, but Doug Peterson's only been given two years. He's, you know, yeah. he got him into the playoffs and won a playoff game a season ago and gave the, the, the Chiefs are run for their money, so you're not doing that there. Well, and does Bill Belichick want to live in London when that team's there yeah, in two right. years? No, it's the Jets, man. That's interesting. I, I love good. I love the possibility of the Jets. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, politically, Woody Johnson, Bill Belichick might be aligned there, too. Might be. Yeah, you never interesting. know. <laughs> All right. When we come back, uh, it is uh, conference championship weekend. We'll talk to our pal Charles Davis of the NFL on CBS next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.